welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are looking at G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Exactly. Don't forget that. (laughs) You can't forget that part. So if you haven't listened to us before, our format is that we rotate every three weeks. We talk about a cartoon and then a live action TV show and then a movie. So last week we talked about Troop Beverly Hills. This week we're talking about G.I. Joe. Next week we're talking about the live action show Manimal forgotten tv show of the 1980s a gem (laughs) we'll see but um for gi joe you can find it on tubi it's a free streaming service and all of the forms of gi joe seem to be on there there are four different shows so we're going to talk about the original show and the second 1980s show and then also some of the reboots and what's a show without a good nostalgic snack yeah and this week's nostalgic snack is candy buttons for when you need fasteners for your clothes, but you might also like a snack. Candy (laughs) buttons. Candy buttons. So if you haven't had candy buttons before, they come on... I'll talk while you eat, and then then you can talk while I eat. They come on a sheet. They're basically little dots. So we have pink at the top. That's the cherry. The middle is the lemon, and the bottom is the lime. So it's pink and then yellow, and then kind of green and going to blue. It's a, it's a nice rainbow effect. Yes, and it's it's super sugary. Very sugary. Um, it's pretty much, I'm assuming, just liquid sugar dropped onto this wax paper and allowed to dry. It's basically sugar with a tiny bit of cornstarch and then yeah. a lot of flavor. It mm. tastes a lot like Smarties mm. or sweet or sweet tarts. S- sweet tarts, maybe. Kind of a hint of candy necklace in there. No, for me, yeah. I think the Smarties, it's the same, like, consistency texture, but I used to love candy buttons, but the kind that I would get, we lived right around the corner from 7-Eleven, and they wouldn't have them all the time. They would just have them, like, sometimes. So when they had them, you'd get super excited, mm-hmm. but it'd be, like, really hot um, day in July, and the candy buttons would kind of stick to the paper, and so I do remember, like, my friends and I just being, like, we're just gonna straight up eat this paper. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is. I feel like this is one. This of those is a snacks. higher quality like wax paper today, but yeah, this is one of those snacks that's like a nostalgic, nostalgic snack because mm-hmm. I think it was probably nostalgic in the eighties when I ate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was popular nostalgic, you know. But I think these because my, my my thought is that they've probably been around for a while. The flavoring is a tiny bit like sherbet. I used to eat the lemon ones first, and then the lime, and then the cherry, because the cherry were my favorite, but I'm really digging the lemon right here. I think the lemon's quite good, probably because it's not quite as sweet as the the cherry. The cherry's like a little bit much for me, but I I like it. All right, we rate things if you haven't heard us before. We rate things, uh, snack is on a scale of one to five, and the show is on a scale of one to ten. And because it's G.I. Joe, we're going to give them awards today, like a medal. <laughs> so, uh, medals. Okay. Medals. So, 
How many out of five medals? What are you gonna give candy mm. buttons? You know, I'm gonna get. It's not. We had creamsicles like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that I would eat all the time. This is like it. It it is very like I'm getting a childhood memory as I'm smelling and eating it. Am I gonna buy it again? No. <laughs> Maybe like a three and a half. Yeah, I would give it three medals yeah, out of I'll five. Yeah, I give three. All it's, right. It's it's good once in a while, but I think it's probably too sugary. It brings back some. Mem- but having said that, I think if you were a kid, the color, the fact that it is like little, the artificial flavoring. <laughs> the fact I think that you have kid. to work to pick them all off the wax paper. Yeah, exactly. Or you just eat the paper. Oh. <laughs> if you have no patience and you're a kid. Yeah. So okay, three medals for. Candy buttons, worth another try. Oh, I should mention this too. We have a blog on our website, stopruiningmychildhood.com. It's watch with us is the tab. And you can find links for all of the candies that we try or the snacks that we have, as well as the shows that we watch. And sometimes I try to link like some other fun tidbits in there too, um, different articles where we find some of our history and things like that. So definitely check that out if you're looking for candy buttons and you can't find them. They're on there. And so are the episodes that we watched for today. So Steve, do you want to give us the rundown? So a quick overview. G.I. Joe. What you need to know about G.I. Joe, if you've never seen it before, is that G.I. Joe is a cartoon about an elite special forces military team for the United States. Um, G.I. Joe is America's most elite special fighting force. And they are always at odds with COBRA, which is a terrorist organization that seems to have a lot of money and resources. And so pretty much all G.I. Joe cartoons boil down to G.I. Joe trying to stop COBRA from some sort of scheme or plan to disrupt the world or hold the world hostage or take the world over. Um, whether it's like chain, like a weather machine or, you know, a major bomb or, or hijacking things. There's always some kind of major plan that Cobra Commander, the head of Cobra, has in mind. And G.I. Joe is always trying to infiltrate that. So that's pretty much the premise of G.I. Joe. So it is always Cobra. I wondered that from it's the all, episodes For the most part, it's always Cobra. Yeah. Okay. All right, so the first episode we watched from 1983 was Season 1, Episode 1, Cobra Strikes. And it basically surrounds Duke, who is the leader of G.I. Joe, and Scarlet, who's one of the main characters that's in most of the cartoons originally. They are trying to stop Cobra, who has... They're trying to steal a satellite. They've created this large gun that it looks like with a crystal on it that if you put three different really rare minerals into it it can teleport things and so they teleport this space satellite and take it hostage and then they start taking hostage like the eiffel tower and all these other large historically significant things across the world to hold the world hostage to to basically bow to cobra and so duke scarlet snake eyes some of the the original members are all trying to stop this duke he tries to stop him and he ends up getting teleported into their base where he ends up being taken captive as well as being in a good position to help try to stop it from the inside and also along the way scarlet and duke are kind of winking at each other and flirting sort of, yes, yes. <laughs> i don't want to leave that out of the summary for me that was a big point um yeah so we watched that and then i just want to we're going to recap just the other one that we watched which was season one episode one of the other gi joe so basically 
this show ran for, we'll talk about the history of it in a minute, but essentially this, it was marked as 1986. I'm not sure if that's exactly when it originally aired. Um, But this episode was called? Pyramid of Darkness. There's a lot more characters in G.I. Joe. They've expanded the roster. Flint is now in charge. He's a different character. Duke got promoted to general. He still cameos in some cartoons, including this one. But Flint is kind of the guy in charge. And now it's Flint and Lady J instead of Duke and Scarlet. And there's a few others. There's their shipwreck. Their Snake Eyes is still there. Um, although they've upgraded Snake Eyes as well. So now he doesn't wear a blue outfit, but he wears a black outfit. He now has a sword and he has a wolf, Timber, from so- for some reason. Shipwreck, who's a sailor also has a parrot who's mouthy. Um, So they've added a few pieces to it. I don't know to add a little bit more humor um, to the action cartoon. Or or Uh, sell more toys. Yeah, or sell more toys. Uh, Cobra Commander is still in charge of Cobra, as well as Destro, who's his right-hand man. Uh, But you've got other characters as well. There's the twins. Other people have been added. And so basically here you have, once again, Cobra Commander is trying to hijack a space shuttle that's being sent up to a space station that G.I. Joe owns. It seems like they get fought off by G.I. Joe, but apparently they tricked them and they still put some th- something in the, the space shuttle. And when the space shuttle arrives, it has these cute little teddy bear looking things that Cobra activates and they become these large monsters that attack the G.I. Joes that are on the space station and try to help take over the space station. And then we move from space to underwater. We have a large underwater battle. Yeah, that same episode, yeah. you've got, while that's happening, some of the other G.I. Joes, Shipwreck and Snake Eyes, are trying to sneak into Cobra's base, which is underwater. And so they're going underwater. They fight these large, chi- giant robots, and they end up going sneaking into the base um, dressed up as Cobra soldiers or Cobra workers. And then they get in and try to undo everything from the inside out. And that's kind of where that ends. We watched a part one of a part two piece. It's Yeah, both of these were five-part miniseries. Mm-hmm. I want to say we did watch a couple other episodes from the reboot, and we'll get into that when we do like our full recap. But the history of this show, to me, it's quite interesting. Um, Steve mentioned G.I. Joe is an elite task force, and that's the code name. I had no idea before watching this <laughs> for this show that that was a code name. I thought G.I. Joe would be starring G.I. Joe. Oh, you um, thought he was a person. Yeah, I thought it was a person. Um, and Cobra, there's a number of different like theories about what that stands for. But some people say that it could stand for conversion by blackmail, revolution, and anarchy. But it really is some of these um, cartoons did starts with the toys. So it's not a doll, right? It's It's an action figure. It's an action figure. And the whole premise of this toy was that it would have a lot of movable parts. Mm -hmm. And they, they named them specifically with the word action in them. So action soldier, action sailor, action marine, action pilot. One for each branch of the military. And this was in 1964. Mattel had Barbie. Hasbro had had a pretty big hit with Mr. Potato Head, but they were looking for something to kind of compete with Barbie, and they wanted to tap into the um, boy market since Barbie was kind of dominating girls. The interesting part about that was those original G.I. Joes, though, were the size of Barbie. Yeah, they were. They were 11-inch figures. And And they had clothes you dressed them in like a Barbie. Yeah, and I asked my mom if she had one, and she said, 
no, I was 13 and I was more interested in Joe who lived next door than G.I. Okay. Joe. I was like, all right then. Um, but I think her younger sisters did. But you mentioned the clothes. So I'd never heard of this term before I started doing research for this episode. And it's called the razor, razor blade model of selling stuff. That if you have a razor, you have to buy razor blades for right. it. Back in the day. Now they come right. together. Yeah. Gillette so, makes way more money off blades than they do razors. Way more, yeah. Right. Or like today, if you have a printer, you have to buy tons of ink, right? right. So the idea is basically you buy the toy, you have to buy... The clothes, the accessories, the vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. All of that kind of thing. But they wanted him to be a real American hero, not a superhero. That's where that phrase came from. So he was to be a real person that you could kind of aspire to be while you played. So kind of like Barbie is meant to be aspirational with all these different jobs. Boys who would play this, and sometimes girls, but mostly guys, are kind of aspiring to be like G.I. Joe in their play. And I also... This isn't like a huge thing, but I just think it's so cute because we also had this with Strawberry Shortcake, but they had read-along books and book and record sets Mm -hmm. that they sold. I was like, oh, I forgot about those. And I didn't mention it when we did Strawberry Shortcake, but they put on hold for a few years in the early 70s because of Vietnam and the public opinion Mm -hmm. um, about the military. But they relaunched it again after that, and um, now it had the Kung Fu grip the very famous yes. <laughs> kung fu grip it's more adventure oriented than military so like they have an aquanaut instead of a naval officer and then they put it on hold again from 78 to 83 and then they relaunch it with these three and three quarter inch action figures yes as opposed to like the barbie size doll yeah the 10 or 11 inch barbies yeah they drop it down to three and a quarter inch which is the standard for action figures now. The interesting thing, too, which we'll get into with our recap, is it it was a more... We've talked about this before with some of these shows, and I didn't really understand why some of the rules changed. But basically, under the Reagan administration, the FCC allowed more violence in children's programming as long as it had a message and during that time you know you're talking about the cold war toward the end but still they they didn't know that right. <laughs> and um so a, a bigger interest in military stuff so they they would have these messages at the end of each video so along with the cartoon we also have the toys what i thought was interesting was that they kind of developed them together yes. side by side and they had help from marvel which makes a lot of sense yeah gi joe comic book came out around the same time and told uh, stories as well which was uh, which was pretty impressive they wanted them to have more developed personalities which they did yeah. and i think when you know not to like preview things too much but it, in comparison to some of the later versions of this that we saw mm-hmm. their personalities i think were very distinct so we have personalities that marvel kind of helped to create it's also it's funny to me it's called action man in the uk but this basically kind of you know it exploded it was a a number of five-part miniseries and then the actual series series in 1985 and 6 had 95 episodes 
they were going to release a film in theaters, but Transformers and My Little Pony both had films, and they didn't do that in well. 86, yeah, and so they then they had a problem with animation rights and licenses. The people who were animating it lost the animation rights, and whatever. At any rate, they brought it back in 1989 uh, to 1991, and again they had these five part miniseries, and then um, the actual episodes. But the series really were produced to sell the toys. And you had, as Steve mentioned, a whole new roster, right? They would keep adding characters so that you could have these characters as the toys. Yeah, you could buy toys, right? It was like we saw with He-Man. It just exploded with characters so you could buy more toys. Yeah, so the universe just keeps getting bigger and bigger, which again, not surprising given that Marvel helps them with it. But I think it's interesting. I don't know, and I should have looked up whether or not the pets came, but they had... Um, the TV show, they had a lot of VHS things. They even put some stuff out on Betamax. Which, okay, well, it would have been when they first started. Right? Um, I just think that that's funny. Uh, DVDs, and then they had the live-action adventure movies, 2003, 2014, and 2021. So, yeah, so this is a big part of our our childhood. When you look back on it, you can see... How kids are maybe being manipulated to buy the toys. But at the same time, it is a place where your like imagination can kind of grow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we're gonna pause, we're gonna come back and talk about some of those memories. So we'll be right back. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, stopruiningmychildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now back to the show. Okay, so we are back again. My name's Megan. I'm Steve. And we're going to talk about some of our childhood memories of G.I. Joe and then get into the full review and recap. So, um... I don't really have that many. <laughs> so I have a ton. I watched the t- I watched the cartoons growing up, um, like religiously. I watched all the cartoons. Um, my, I have two brothers. I'm the oldest. I have two younger brothers, and my parents spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on GI Joes. We had almost every GI Joe that was ever made. I'm about to say not all at once, right? Like over many, well, many yeah, Christmases, over a number of Christmases. But we collected yeah. them fairly fast because also you have three boys and they're each getting toys, right? But my brothers and I didn't keep our stuff separate. We just mm-hmm. piled it all in a box and played together. So we were able to amass a lot. Um, not to mention we would get joint gifts. Like we had the space shuttle, which was large. What? Uh, how large are we talking? It stood probably 18 to 24 inches off the ground. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it, it could come off of its launcher, and the boosters could separate from the shuttle. Nice. Um, yeah, and it came with a pilot. I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, I want to play with that right now. Yeah. We had the Rattler, which was the blue Cobra jet that had um, hover engines on it. The wings actually turned, and you mm. could hover up and down to take off. 
We had the Terror Dome, which was the bad guy base. We had the USS Flag, which not many people own. Um, the USS Flag was a toy that I would say there was not many made and not a lot of people owned because it was an aircraft carrier okay. that was made to scale so the jets could land on it. So this aircraft carrier was mm. seven feet long. And, but you guys had a basement to play in. We had it set up in the basement. I was going to say, man, it most kids, that would take up their whole room. It was room. about three feet high with the tower on the aircraft mm. carrier because you had the aircraft carrier deck and under the deck where things could go. You had people in the towers. Um, and it was, if I recall, when it came out, and this is in the mid to late 80s, I mean, the, air, the USS Flag cost well over $100. Yeah. For a toy, that's yeah. really a lot back then. But it was also for all three of you. Oh, yeah, but yeah. definitely. I mean, the point is, is friends would come over. I mean, no one had the USS Flag. Yeah. You know, it was on the cartoon, but no one actually owned the toy. But we did, and we owned... We just owned a lot of these things. We owned... When I watched the cartoons with you the other day, we watched these episodes. Every character that came on, I was like, oh, I had him. I had him. Yeah. It's the same, like, for when we watched Strawberry Shortcake. And I was like, I had that gazebo. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to say, too, is that Steve's mom has been known to sit out on Black Friday and wait for the toy to be, be available. Yes. So that may be why she got it. And I don't know how did. she got it, but I don't know how they got their hands on that. But, but somehow they managed. They made so many vehicles for G.I. Joe, along with so many actual figures, hundreds of figures. So with the show, when was it? Was it a Saturday morning cartoon or was it after school like He-Man? I watched it after school like He-Man. Okay. He-Man and G.I. Joe. Were, Maybe in a block? Yeah, if I recall correctly, yeah. He- He-Man, G.I. Joe, and Transformers were the big ones for, for us. They probably up. played them at like 3, 3.34. Like they did, right after school. Right all in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for me, I remember it more of just as kind of how what you said about elf a couple weeks ago like it's in the background and it's there and when i see it i'm like that's part of my childhood the song i definitely remember part of because the ads were everywhere when gi joe was big they had that ad like real american hero and and kids playing with toys every commercial and and i think for if you're watching kids shows even if it's not gi joe that commercial would be on constantly for again the different like now you can get this now you can get this now you can get this with the things that separate like all of that my brother definitely had a lot of action figures he was born a little bit later so he had i think a number of gi joes again probably second hand and then he got super into power rangers which we're gonna at some point revisit that was a little bit later i'm delaying it I don't think it's going to be good. But, um, yeah, so I just remember just the guys that, like, the boys at daycare and in my, like, kindergarten, first grade, second grade Mm -hmm. class, bringing these to school with them, going crazy, and and having the new ones all the time. I don't know that I've... With He-Man, I think I probably had seen an episode of it maybe here or there. I don't think I've ever actually seen an episode of G.I. Joe because there was a lot here that surprised me. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I will mention with my memory, and we mentioned you mentioned it a little bit during the history, but this was one of the cartoons where I vividly remembered the knowing is half the battle, mm-hmm. the moral or positive message that had to be at the end. Yeah. Now I didn't know it had to be there, right? But it became a GI Joe thing, like knowing is half the battle, GI Joe. Yeah. But some of these messages were pretty impressive for our kids, right? I mean, like the one we saw in the, uh, you know, when we watched the episodes was the kid was home alone, 
and he gets a call from someone who says, hey, is your mom and dad there? And he says, nope, they're not here. And he goes, oh, well, I've got a free prize for you. What's your address? And I'll come by. And the kid tells him, and then he goes outside in Roadblock, one of the G.I. Joes, happens to be there and he's like what's going on and the kid tells him and he goes we should never give a, tell someone that your mom and dad aren't home yeah well that's a really good message yeah. especially for in the 80s when i grew up i was and there was a lot of lock key kids yeah who came home from school and their parents were at work and that was something that was different yes and because by the 80s a lot of moms and dads were both working and you might come home from school and be watching gi joe by yourself for a half hour before your parents came home there's also a whole thing in the 80s of like stranger danger so i I liked that we watched that particular one it surprisingly was not part of the episode so let's get into the original 1983 we start with the song and the yo-jo mm-hmm. and the song is so long it is and it's almost a little mini cartoon in, in the end in the intro it is so much longer than i thought it would be because there are if you haven't seen it i mean definitely go on our blog and, and check out where this is because we have the links but if you haven't seen it in a long time the part that i remembered from the commercials is what i would call like the cool part and then we have a long talking piece you have a narrator telling you what G- who G.I. Joe is as a team and that they're always fighting Cobra. Yes. So you understand before you get into it. So you know before you get into it who it is, which actually that was the first thing that surprised me. Um, and then we have these, like this really cool montage of all the different basically branches of the military, right? You have the boats and the planes are flying and the tanks are going and all of that. What I was kind of surprised about i mean i guess i i don't know what i expected it is sort of a set there is there are science fiction elements obviously right we're talking about some high-tech stuff that now exists that did not exist back then like um you know fingerprint scanning and things yes. like that but we also have like teleportation and and obviously things like that but i thought i guess i thought it would be more fantasy and there was some pretty realistic violence. Like, we, it is a cartoon, but it's not cartoon violence the way that, like, Acme was. Right. So I think it's a whole totally different kind of show for kids at this point that probably had not been done before. There's a lot of laser gun fights. Which yeah, but they, there's actual bullets. There's missiles. Yeah, they did. there's a lot of laser gun or tracer gun type, so you can see where the, the you know lasers or gun or bullets are going there's a lot of explosions but if you notice one of the interesting things was too is there's all these machine gun or laser gun fights back and forth vehicles get blown up but no one actually gets hit right when a vehicle gets blown up right before it gets blown up somebody ejects out right or someone a lot of people get captured but it's a you know it never actually shows someone well it's a lot like like james bond or the A-team, which we might watch at some point. Mm. Mr. T has said that about the A-team. Like, I got shot in the arm more times than I could count because they would always want to be, like, kind of hurt, but not really. Nobody ever really gets hurt. One of the other things I noticed was the cinematography in this first episode. In animation, obviously, it's different because you're not, you know, you're drawing the scenes that you're filming. But they cut so much especially while people are talking so what i mean by that is like they'll have an angled shot at a 45 degree angle looking up at someone and then they'll switch 
to a close-up of the other person's face and then they'll pull out to show both of them then they'll go from above a lot of the shots were above showing them walking on like the aircraft carrier or the um the cobra's temple or whatever and the cuts i noticed especially they did speed up the action so even the dialogue seemed like it went very quick. They're doing a lot of info dumping because it's the first episode. Right. Right. So they have a woman who later turns out to be the Baroness. One of, one of, the, one of Cobra's main people. Yep. Main people. Is she supposed to be German or Russian? It, you're kind of left to not know. But she's disguised as one of the G.I. Joes. Yes. And then the Cobra people show up because basically she summoned them. Yes. And they teleport. And then she takes her hair down and she puts on green glasses and they're like, the Baroness. <laughs> it's a Clark Kent it's moment. It's a Clark Kent moment. Well, she takes off a mask oh, and okay. her hair. Because she would wear a mask sometimes too. Yeah, but, but yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was just funny to me. But my point is that when, they, when they're doing that, they're talking a lot about who Cobra is, what they want, what they're trying to get how they're trying to stop them. And as they're doing that, they're walking to see this machine that Cobra wants. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was a really smart idea to cut up in terms of like, if you call it cinematography, to kind of cut that up. Because it is also how a comic book would be with different panels. The interesting Um, thing is, is this is a contemporary to He-Man, which I really liked, but the animation is way better than He-Man's. I didn't like the animation. He-Man's animation, you could tell when we discussed yeah, this in that episode. Yeah, they looped They looped a lot. Here, with all the different angles and shots, yeah. they did not do no, that. No, they didn't. They spent a lot of money doing that. But it, I did like that it, it made things go faster because this is an action show. Yes. And they had some crazy stunts flipping off of a motorcycle and um, as something blows up and you know that at kind one of point duke and scarlet flip in somersault to avoid bullets together which as a kid it was amazing now that i'm an adult and i've been in the army i'm like this is ridiculous right <laughs> well especially because that's a moment of like sexual tension for them they flip and roll away from bullets so cobra like attacks their base they flip and roll away from bullets but they do that together and then she's lands on top of him and she's they're like oh mm. ooh la la <laughs> like winking at each other a little bit and i was sad about the bareness because my first thought in my notes i put oh there's a woman who's a major in this army and they have more than one female character and it's not like she's just a token woman and then she turned out to be a spy but it's okay because <laughs> then there was a woman on the bad guy team i know as but well, just one but and she's a baroness that's higher than a major okay? now i will say yeah i will <laughs> maybe <laughs> She has a title, Megan, <laughs> and you will respect Baroness's title. Well, what was interesting to me was that besides the one female character in this, but then we have two, because actually we still see Scarlet in the 1986 version. We do, yep. But both the 83 and the 86, especially for the time, were very diverse. And I wrote that down as well. They were both yeah. the, the, the cast of characters, including action figures and everything like that, of G.I. Joe were very it was very diverse, especially for the, for its time. Because we had and some of this because we just watched one episode, I noticed a couple in the background. Now mm. we did have a guy in a cowboy hat 
it is never explained why he has a cowboy hat on. It's never. Well, again, we never talked to him. Remember, you mentioned that they're trying to make them have diverse personalities. Yeah, they are. Right? But we had um, people who are clearly like of Asian descent and possibly Hispanic and then African American mm-hmm. as well. So that I was kind of surprised about. But you've been in the military. It's it's, it's pre- diverse. It's, yeah. It is diverse. It's a diverse group of people. Um, so one of the other things that I did like, well, and we'll talk about the end of it, but the, one of the things I did like, they had really good cliffhangers before the end. I was going to mention that too. Yeah, they this cartoon was interesting because they would do, G.I. Joe often would do cliffhangers and then pick up after the ad breaks or even cliffhangers at the end of an episode if it was part of a miniseries. But it does make you want to keep watching. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, here's why I liked it. I like shows that are for kids that don't treat kids like idiots. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I liked the fact that they are doing a cliffhanger in this, like, now later on at the end of the episode, it's different. But they do a cliffhanger the way any show for adults would do a cliffhanger. And they're trusting you to come back, and it's a point of tension that you kind of have to sit through a two-minute ad break to release that tension. And narratively, it's a smart move. It's it's like coming up, you know, at the climax of the the action and then you have your left hanging and it it was really nice for us that we didn't have those (laughs) Tubi has some ads but we didn't have the ads every every time so we just kind of came back into it oh so yes they have like a lot of this combat they also show really cool hand-to-hand combat so you can see i'm guessing for you like how you would play with the toys yeah it wasn't and it wasn't a lot you had a lot of large army like gunfights but then there was a lot of times that they would get one-on-one and that would be like you know they would be using martial arts or they'd be you know fist fighting things like that which was really interesting it is a adult looking back on this episode it was interesting as well because at one point gi joes are guarding the satellite and the general mentions that you know we need to guard this because cobra and anyone else will try to get their hands on of it on it because once we launch this there'll be no place that anyone in the world can hide yeah. And I'm like, and, and Cobra like wants to steal this. And I'm like, is Cobra the good guy? Because that sounds like a terrible satellite for any government to have. But then it, but then in the same episode, it gets to Cobra's base and they have a slave pit. And I'm like, oh, they're a bad guy. So this is what I was going to say, too, because this was one of the moments where Duke goes in. He has this really cool hand-to-hand combat, but there's too many of Cobra's guys. They overtake him. And Cobra, who we haven't talked about yet, but he has just a like a face shield. Cobra Commander. We yep. never see his face. You which never see his face. Annoyed me, but um, Cobra goes throw him in the slave pit. I want him alive. Throw him in the slave pit, and and I go. And we, Steve and I both go. What? What? <laughs> And then Steve looks at me and he goes, did he just, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to have to save that for the podcast because I can't talk about it right now. So we somehow go into this weird segment where there are these slaves who have like a brainwashing headband on, but they're dressed like Roman they're like in, they're like in togas. Yeah, they're in togas. And it's the slave pit is it might as well be the quarry. It's the Coliseum, No, basically. that's different. No. Oh, the pit. Yeah, where the slaves are living. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's basically like a rock quarry that they're all, like, wandering around, and they're like, Bleh. And then they the move Duke from the slave pit to the fighting ring, which is the Coliseum. That's the Coliseum. Also in this underground headquarters. Yeah. 
And also that it's Cobra's temple. Yes. Um, there's a couple other people who you couldn't see their face, but we have now. I was not sure of his name. Death. Destro. Is it Death Throw? Destro. Destro. Okay. But we see Destro and he's got like a cobra, like like a hood, like a snake would mm -hmm. be. And I thought it was interesting that they also had Cobra kind of hissing his asses. Because you, there was, as someone who watched this cartoon over the series, you were led to believe that something was wrong with Cobra Commander. Well, yeah. Or that he was maybe part snake. Like you oh, didn't okay. know. And having his face never shown, that was part of that. No one ever knew. And even in the later cartoons, as you saw in 1986, they went from him having he a had. helmet to having a mask. It was like a hood. Yeah. And that actually was fantastically genius on Hasbro's part because then if you already had Cobra Commander, you now had to buy hooded Cobra Commander, which I also went and yeah. was a sucker for. Let me ask you a question about this because I feel like, did the hood come off on the toy? No. Okay. You could never see his face. Right. So the original toy, he had the helmet with the silver piece. Yeah. Then it went to hooded Cobra Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a different toy you had to buy now because but I... it was no longer cool. And then this guy comes out to fight. I almost call him G.I. Joe. <laughs> I'm ruining people's childhoods. But this guy comes out to fight Duke. And it's very clearly supposed to be like Samson from the Bible. There are there are pillars there. And he, he knocks them the out. Pillars. Yes. And I put, oh, is this like David and Goliath? Nope, it's like Samson. That's what's in my notes. And so the end of the episode, we have another cliffhanger. I want to say, too, a lot of the cliffhangers feature a hand coming at the screen, which is, again, a really yes. cool way to film it. And I think possibly unusual for animation at that time. But we have a cliffhanger. They, they show a little bit of what's going to happen next. Yeah, they show a preview of episode, yeah. the next episode. I don't know if they did. Did they do that all the time? No, because not all the time was a miniseries. A lot I of think, them were one-shot episodes. I was going to say, I think it's because we were watching the five-part miniseries. So it's also to reassure very young kids who might be watching this that they're like, and next time Duke fights this guy, but he finds an ally in him. Yeah. And, and then it shows one of the people who's supposed to be brain dead. She goes... I must help him. <laughs> yes. You have a cliffhanger, but for some kids, you know that it's not going to end badly. Right. So it's like a reassurance. Yes. Yeah. And that's basically how the show ended. We have a cliffhanger, but then we had a little bit of what was going to happen in the second episode and um, and a taste of what was coming up, which I said to Steve, I was like, well, we don't have to watch episode two now because they showed us yeah. all the high points. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so we moved from that... To the 1986 episode. Yeah, so season one, episode one, Pyramid of Darkness. This is after they've done... Okay, so I wrote this... I, I looked it up again, sorry. They had a five-parter in 83 that's now called Mass Device. Mm -hmm. They had a five-parter in 84, Revenge of Cobra, also called Weather Dominator. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what machine they were trying to get. Yep. Then they had um, the full series started in 85 with another five-part adventure. So I think that this was probably picking up mm. after the five-parter from 85, but continuing with, yes. yeah. And after this, they have another five-parter called Arise, Serpentor, Arise. Mm. And a new villain, Serpentor, oh. comes into play who's more powerful. And it, it, it creates a very weird three party dynamic yeah what i have to say about i i didn't mention this before but we're so used to long form tv now this would have been very unusual 
especially for a kids show so a lot of the miniseries from like 70s 80s 90s before we have the ability to stream but really even before that to watch things on dvd where you can watch them sequentially that those miniseries are typically based on books a lot of times like thorn birds if you remember that one, North and South, right. those kind of things. So to have a miniseries for kids that's five parts, um, you know, they're 22 minutes, 24 minutes each. That's that's essentially a movie. I mean, back then, TV was like 30-minute TV is three acts, right? The mm-hmm. problem, the twist, or the complication, and then the resolution. Five acts is for 60-minute TV, and you have, like, set up problem complication twist climax resolution Mm -hmm. but i just thought that that was so well done and again you can definitely see that they worked with marvel well it guarantees you also that the kids were going to come home from school tomorrow and turn gi joe on that's true (laughs) right they saw part today and they're like oh man tomorrow i have to see it yeah so you know you got the kids attention it also but it really the only other thing that i can compare that to are the superhero shorts that would be like that you'd see like with movies where they do like sections of things right? right like you'd see like superman and they'd have like Oh, he's hurtling to his death, and then the next week with a different film it would right. pick up. Um, but I can't think of anything that I know of from TV at that time. So I was kind of impressed with that. But we have a whole other set of characters. The sailor, <laughs> I want to talk about That's the shipwreck. Sail. Okay, the parrot. <laughs> the parrot, I wrote down some of the dialogue. Okay, they have to swim for it. Their their ships have wrecked. And they're like, we're going to have to swim for it. So he holds his nose and then he clamps his hand onto the parrot's beak. And then when they come up, the parrot goes, I'm a parrot, not a duck. And he says, keep swimming or you'll be a gone goose. Yeah. <laughs> and we have this kind of dialogue throughout the whole thing. You'll be right. happy to know Shipwreck came with the parrot. That's great. His The parrot was molded in a way so that its its talons were like little hands, and they clapped onto Shipwreck's arm. Nice. So he could hold the parrot, or the parrot could be perched on him. Um, Did Snake Eyes come with the wolf? Snake Eyes. That variation, there was like four variations of Snake Eyes. Okay. Because he was one of the most popular characters, and then it kept kids having to buy him. That variation of Snake Eyes came with Timber the Wolf. Okay, so here, because there's not as much info dumping in this particular episode, Mm -hmm. they, they kind of assume that you know the world a little bit. Yes. I don't. And I was like, Snake Eyes, we didn't see an episode in the first he one. He was episode one. But we is he was he with Cobra? No, he was with G.I. Joe, but you Because didn't we see didn't much see his him. face either. He was in blue, so he almost blended in with Cobra, which I think was part of the color change to okay. black with him. And he also didn't wear gloves for some reason. So in the first episode he's got blue on, a blue helmet everything's blue and then he has regular skin colored hands hanging out because there's no gloves on him but he's just very i was surprised because we didn't see his face so i wondered if he was kind of in with them but then he didn't i i thought he would be like a betrayer like baroness you never see snake eyes's face and he never talks they have a lot of accents in this one too more than the first one again those specific personalities but there are a couple like really thick southern accents like real thick yeah yeah lady j has a bit of an accent who's the who's the new girl 
companion to Flint. But they still have Scarlet, which I was impressed by. Because there were... The reason that I say this, there were a lot of shows in the 80s, like The Smurfs is a good example, where they only had one girl to like 50 guys. Mm. And so you have a lot of shows like that, where there's kind of like that token female character. And then we have... So they're getting the cargo onto the space shuttle. I had to check the dates because... So what makes me think that this was filmed in 1985 as opposed to 1986 is that in 1986 is also the Challenger explosion. Yes. Yeah, I didn't think they'd have a main plot device around putting extra cargo that's dangerous onto a shuttle, Mm -hmm. very specifically. And the way that it was filmed with the shuttle taking off and then separating from the other, you know, the the larger Mm -hmm. um, thing that shuttles are attached to, the name of which I forget right now. Yeah, Yeah, the boosters. Boosters, I didn't. I don't think that they would have had that, at least not for a few months following that, because so many kids watched that because there was a teacher on board. Right. Um, if you were not alive at that point, the Challenger was a space shuttle that was the, going to be the first one to carry civilians. And it had um, one of the civilians chosen was a teacher. Um, there was a problem with ice um, when it went up. It exploded, right. um, and it was a tragedy. And many, many children, including myself, um, in kindergarten, I watched that. And um, yeah, so but at any rate, they put cargo onto a space shuttle, and then we have these little gray things that are kind of like. At first, I thought maybe like Star Trek, like the Tribbles. They look very cute. They're like very teddy bearish. But then they have this card that they're reading off of from Cobra. It's the card says one thing, but the guy reading it says something totally different that's not written on the card. Yes. So if you were maybe four or five, you might not know, but I just thought that that was funny. But basically it says that they be careful because they have a split personality. And then I'm like, well, Gremlins came out in 84 and it is almost like that that you have like a cute little thing that then turns into a monster yes so we have that going on in the spaceship and in the meantime snake eyes and um shipwreck are trying to get into the underwater secret lair of cobra and then it ends on a cliffhanger because it's a five-parter yes it ends on a cliffhanger after snake eyes and shipwreck go undercover by dressing up as cobra people where Snake Eyes still has his helmet and everything on and just puts a hat on top of it. I forgot. And then they're in like a weird, it's like a subway where they're all like holding on yeah, to the thing. Yeah, they're on a train with like other guys and Shipwreck's like, hey man, how's it going? Yeah, good shift. And Snake Eyes is just standing there in his black Snake Eyes costume with a Cobra uniform over the top of it and a hat yeah. and his wolf standing next to him on the subway and then the voice print, they try to get into another part of the the lair, and their voice print is wrong. Yes. Which is, again, like it, an interesting piece of technology. Like, we're not quite there. Right. And the voice print is wrong, and then we hear, you will be exterminated, which sounds so much like it's from Doctor Who. It sounds exactly like the Daleks from Doctor Who. So I could see in here, you know, it's an interesting kind of fun story it is action-packed but they are borrowing from a few other right from a few other things um and we did mention the twins cobra is there with his 
hood instead of his, um, you know, face shield. And he's there with the twins, one of which has a scar. That's to so keep you can them, tell them apart. apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, is it Tomax and Zaymont? I don't know. Or the twins, I believe. I'm going by memory because I had the twins. Um, and they come, the twins come dressed identically but mirror imaged of one another. Oh, okay. And also... Tomax had a scar on his chest, on one of, side of his mouth. And even in the action figures, there was a little scar. So you could tell which guy was which. So you can play with both of them. And you can play with them, yeah. yeah. And so that was a big piece. Also, Zartan is in this one, who was... Zartan was a mercenary who worked for Cobra, and he's a master of disguise. Right. He was under disguise in order to get in the space shuttle. And I forget to mention, we also have another thing where somebody pulls off their mask, and there's somebody else underneath, and the real person is... um, But that was Zartan's thing. Yeah. He was known for... He would actually remove his mask, but he also could just make himself... He was like... He could camouflage himself. Mm. And his action figure, if it was in, like, sunlight or direct... Like, depending on the light, it would change color. Oh, interesting. Which was really cool. Kind of like those hyper color shirts that yeah, we used to have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so it ends on another cliffhanger and then we get a preview of what's coming up. And then and then we moved over to watch part of the 2005 version of G.I. Joe, Sigma 6, which is also on Tubi. And then we watched the 2011. What were your impressions of the 2005? I'm guessing you'd never seen this before. Either, I have right? not. But, you know, it's interesting because much like the Strawberry Shortcake, I liked the originals. I didn't care for the reboots. Yeah. The 2005 G.I. Joe Sigma 6, first off, there it's very, and probably because of the 2005 year, right? It's very high-tech oriented. Mm-hmm. Everything about the Joes is high-tech, and it's all this, like, equipment that appears out of nowhere and all this stuff and well one of the guys is actually named high tech yeah one of the guys is high tech but then you also have duke scarlet and heavy duty who were people from before i should say too it's an anime style it's very anime style which i don't care the other problem that i found watching this is because it's anime to me it it date it's a mixture of anime and computer generated images so it's cgi plus anime and because of that it is dated yes because when you have traditional animation i guess to a certain extent maybe that seems dated too but to me traditional animation seems like classic right this is pretty cheap anime and pretty cheap cgi and they and they don't mesh very well either so you have like a computer generated graphic come up and then the anime and the background is CGI and it just didn't, it didn't seem to mesh. But so that story is there's a guy called Overkill who looks maybe like a brain in a jar, but he might also be a robot. He's like he's, a cyborg robot or something. Yeah. And like. Cobra again, looks a little bit different, but still has, a, you know, you can't see his full face. Yeah, Cobra commander has a mask again. There but. was a lot more talking and explanation. We didn't watch even the first episode. So we watched episode nine, which is called Polar. Yes. Um, which we thought would be kind of cool. We were like, well, we saw them in space and we saw them underwater and we saw them on land. Let's see them like in the Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Arctic was kind of neat, but there were kind of, again, some attempts at witty dialogue, but very forced. The hornets have left the nest, but if we stay here, we're going to get stung. Yes. <laughs> you know, things like that. But yeah, it didn't, um, I don't, it felt slower. Surprisingly. A lot of talking and explanation. The G.I. Joes are trying to stop the bad guys, which are kind of Cobra. It's really, it's like this overkill cyborg works for Cobra, but has his own thing going on. 
and the, he's drilling in Antarctica to try to get power gems or something. It's very, the whole thing was very video game ish, which I didn't like. Well, and also because you know the older episodes that we watched, there's a teleportation machine. There are things that can power it. They have to find those before Cobra does. Mm-hmm. The second one we watched. Cobra put stuff on board to take over the space shuttle. They're trying to stop him by going underwater to get into his lair. This was so convoluted. And they talk about the talk about info dumping. They talk about it forever. And even as an adult, I'm like, wait, what are they doing? And not the kind of fun way. Like when we talked about He-Man or Strawberry Shortcake, there were things there where you have to just suspend disbelief. I don't know if Strawberry Shortcake is a fairy. Like, just go with it. Yeah. I don't know why He-Man has a separate castle, separate from the the power of Grayskull. I don't know. But whatever. <laughs> you know? But here, it was, it was like they kind of tried to explain it, but then they explained it too much, and it was still confusing. Um, so then we looked at the 2011... G.I. Joe Renegades. Now, I have to say, I liked this premise a lot more than the other ones. It was it was a very... The premise was interesting. The So the premise basically is... They start with... We did watch the first episode of this called The Descent. They start with a fake ad, which reminded me of Better Off Ted. But they start with a fake ad of Cobra Industries. We're everywhere with global communications pharmaceuticals pharmaceuticals and defense yeah but you're showing like oh they're big pharma mm. their communications because they're watching it's their big brothering it and also their defense because they're making secret weapons um, so here cobra was legit yeah they were a corporation they were a corporation but then they were doing terroristic things behind the scenes and I think, I wish that they had done regular animation with this because, again, it had a, this anime look. It was very angular. Scarlet in this looks like she's the Irish Lord Voldemort. She has no nose at the, all. The animation is very poor. It's very poor. And they also had a lot of split screens, which in in comparison to the original where we've talked about showing things from above, showing things from below, showing yes. things at an angle, the split screen thing didn't work. But the premise of having, um, they have Lady J, Roadblock, Tunnel Rat, Ripcord, Duke, and Scarlet. Lady J is basically getting the team together in this episode. And the team is very diverse it's an interesting group. There's this terrorist threat with vaccines and the military. And then we see the Baroness and they're talking about Cobra, but he's not seen yet. I thought it was a really cool premise. I just thought that the animation sucked. You know, the, the, <laughs> the characters they bring in are all returns, mm-hmm. right? Those are all Tunnel Rat, Ripcord. Those are all returns from the originals. It's interesting because Duke and Ripcord are also characters that were centered around in the G.I. Joe movie, which Mm. happened before this now. Right. So I think they were trying to play that off from the movie because their rendition of Ripcord is very much like the Wayne's brother who played him in the movie. Oh, okay. Um, And so I think they were trying to connect that. Was the movie against a corporation? It might have been. I don't recall as much. But so that was it. The, the, I didn't care for the animation as much either. I liked the thought process behind the cartoon. I thought more could have been done with it. I thought the animation was very poor. And not only angular and things, but also the G.I. Joe's themselves were very like pudgy and almost like 
they almost looked out of shape the way they were drawn. And well, they're supposed to be soldiers. I actually thought... So we talked about the diversity in the 80s version. Mm -hmm. The African-American character here and the Asian character are very stereotypically drawn. Yes. Like, very. And so is Scarlet. Very, like, much more, I thought, kind of sexualized than the first versions. Also, I wanted to ask, who is this for? Because I don't know the kids would relate to the idea of a big bad corporation. (laughs) The idea that secretly that it's like big pharma, I don't think they're going to get that. And I think if you were doing it for people who loved the show as kids, then having that traditional style animation which you can do on computers you can still have it be computer generated but have that look um but yeah the animation they clearly did not have the budget and it didn't run for that long and if you're looking to for something to launch a new toy line right no nobody no kid wants to play with a toy that looks like you know duke was just sitting on a couch eating chips for six months like that's not a that's not a real American hero. That's yeah. not even somebody that can make it through basic training. And they are supposed <laughs> to be renegades, which is interesting. But you're right that they're not going to have. They didn't even go in with any equipment. Remember, no. they went in on a on the flight, and it's just them going in to kind of look like the military. Yeah, there. and I think the renegades premise is because they're obviously probably further into this. I don't know how long the show ran for, but further into the like show, twelve episodes. Yeah, I would imagine they probably have to like under undercover fight Cobra right. because Cobra is a legit company so right. now and, and the army can't go against a legit company so now they have to like pretend to not be part of the Joes to fight them or something or that they go against like because we didn't we didn't get through the whole episode it was <laughs> but they either that or that they break away from the Joes and they're their own like team kind of um what's that show where they always are like let's steal a casino oh le- like leverage yeah like leverage kind of like leverage where they're like doing good but undercover right, right? so those were um are not great opinions about the reboots but when we talk about the original series um any final thoughts before we do the rating let me put it that way i mean it, in a lot of ways it was what i remember it to be um, I watched a lot of G.I. Joe, so it holds a, a strong point in my memory. It wasn't something I'd seen once or twice, and then I was like, oh, that's what it was, you know? And you were in the military. Uh, right, but that's a little different, I mean, yeah. obviously, than G.I. Joe. But it was interesting. I really, I did like it. Um, the, it wasn't, I guess, there's rose-colored, you know? I, I remember the animation was good. It wasn't as great as I remembered it being as a kid. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, this probably was top-line animation for what was going on in the 80s. You yeah. know, I love the fact when I was growing up that people I saw in the stories, I could buy and own. And I could have them and I could do my own, you know, stories. And we would play G.I. Joe for hours. So this really does connect to me still. Um, I thought, and to be honest, especially in the original episodes that we watched from 83 and 86, I thought the storylines were pretty good. Um, they still were something I could follow. Now, I don't know if I'm going to watch G.I. Joe all the time as an adult, but watching it for this, I was like, okay, I could kind of follow. I liked that it had subplots going on, and there was things that did catch my attention. Yeah, I think that ultimately I liked the cliffhangers. I think it was plotted well. I think that action element was there with the fast pacing. The animation, I should say, it's done well. It's just aesthetically, color-wise, and because it's like war and military, it's just not like my jam. (laughs) But, But it's done extraordinarily well. 
And I liked the fact that I was surprised by the fact that it was, you know, that that long series of connecting, you know, through five episodes, which I think at least, again, not for all of it, but for the ones that we watched. So out of 10 medals, what are you going to give G.I. Joe? Mm. So I... This is difficult because for me, I'm not going to watch this show again. And I don't, I don't like things with military. I don't like things with um, espionage and spy and, and things like that because it is, to me, kind of repetitive in the structure of the plot. But I, th- and would I show it to a kid? See, that's the other question. The violence is pretty realistic, so I would say. You know, it would depend the age of a kid. Like, this isn't like He-Man where the action is like cartoon violence where I would let a kid watch it. I get, I'm like between a four and a five, I guess. I mean, it's done, I'll give it a five. It's done well. It's plotted well. It's good pacing. The cliffhangers were good. There obviously would be a lot there for kids to, it would spark a kid's imagination. Yeah, so five out of ten medals. How about you? Eight. Eight out of ten medals. All right. That's an easy answer. I would still watch it. I would still... I would have. I would allow kids to watch it. I think it's... I mean, not like a four-year-old. Yeah. But I think if a kid is eight or nine or ten, and you could get a hold of toys as well for the kid, I think it's something that yeah. works well. That's a question that, like, has come up before, because, like, with Strawberry Shortcake, which I gave a worse rating to, would I let a kid watch it? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing bad there, but it annoyed me. And I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to be careful about it. Honestly, I hate to say that. So, 5 out of 10 and 8 out of 10. So, 6.5. 6.5. Is our total rating. 6, 6.5 Six medals. medals and a candy button. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so 6.5 total for G.I. Joe. It was a really great, for, for me, it was a nice revisiting. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Of something it I had never really fully paid attention to a, in that way. A lot of things and characters I had forgotten that I remember that came back to me and reminded me of a lot of fun times with my brothers as children while I watched it. So that was good. Yeah. So I highly recommend that you kind of revisit it too. It's free on Tubi. You can find the links for the episodes uh, on our blog, and you can find us on our website stopruinmychildhood.com which has links to all of our social media we have twitter and instagram we're probably most active on facebook and um you can follow us there we put sometimes questions like what was your favorite childhood cartoon growing up growing up or what should we watch next we'd love to hear from you um so stop by follow rate and review for a small podcast like ours it does make the difference we watched our cartoon this week coming up we have our live action show manimal and then we're going to follow that with a movie, which will be Splash. So, the Mermaid movie. The Mermaid movie. But if you have suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. That's it from us this week. Thanks, everybody. I am Megan. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next week. Bye.